This is harder than you think, man. Podcasting is not easy. Hello, and welcome to Basket Bubble, the podcast about the NBA and life inside the Walt Disney World bubble. My name is Matthew Moore, and I am joined, as always, by my beloved co-host, Bodie. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing well, Matthew. How are you? I am doing fantastic. I am as close as I will probably ever be and probably ought to be to the NBA bubble for the next week. I am at a very COVID-friendly, safe, beautiful private condominium in the panhandle of Florida. I'm not going to disclose my location in case somebody wants to come and find me, but I am here, I am safe, and I am enjoying some sunshine and some ocean. I suppose it's the Gulf of Mexico. There are people who get very pedantic about that stuff, don't they? That I would be one of them. (laughs) Well, that's why I made sure to clarify that. So I'm here in beautiful Florida for the next week, and I am excited to be enjoying some sunshine and enjoying some real live basketball. These games, they matter uh, mostly, right? And so uh, it's been really fun to watch the basketball seeding games start up. They started up on Thursday. We'll get into some of those games that we have seen so far here in just a minute. But as always, we want to start with the news. So first thing I want to talk about here, if you have tuned into any of these games or you have seen on Twitter, something you may have noticed is that some of the players have decided to use the backs of their jerseys as an opportunity to make a statement. And so the NBA has given the players in the bubble opportunities to use approved social justice messages on the backs of their jerseys. Some of those messages include things like Black Lives Matter, Say Their Names, I Can't Breathe, Justice, Power to the People. Uh, One of the most common ones that we have seen is equality, and that includes from people like uh, Yusuf Nurkic, who has equality written in Bosnian on the back of his jersey, and Luka Doncic, who also has equality written on the back of his jersey in Slovenian. So it's been really cool to see these players not only using their platform, but using their international platform to make statements in this way. One of the downsides, however, and Bodie and I, we were just talking about this uh, off mic, is it can be a little hard to keep up with who is who when they don't have the names on the back of the jerseys. This mostly goes for players we don't know, like if you're not a big Gary Trent Jr. fan with Portland, but I even struggled to remember who Kimba Walker was on the Celtics been four months but he was also only a celtic for four months it's been interesting to see you know you may have your team that you love and you know up and down the lineup and the roster there but opposing teams can be a little hard to follow and that has been the beauty of these televised games is the televised uh the commentator does a great job of pointing out who is who and you can get a a few quarters in and start to recognize numbers with names a lot better there was a bit of controversy with Jimmy Butler in the Heat game on Saturday, he wanted to play in a jersey that had no name on it to show that he was no different than any other black man in America. The NBA did not 
let him do that. So right before the opening tip, he had to go over to the sideline and change out his jersey. It's interesting to me that he made it that far. You know what I mean? I agree. And I don't know if he kept a warm-up on throughout all of the warm-ups. I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention until he all of a sudden had to take off his jersey. Yeah, you have to wonder if the laundry guy, the, uh, there's, a, there's a term for it, the team manager or whoever it is, the guy who's taken charge of you know, managing the jerseys. In the-, the guy who deflated the footballs for Tom Brady. Exactly, same guy. He's moved to Miami now, and he is removing nameplates from Jimmy Butler's jerseys. But in all seriousness, it's interesting to me that he was able to get all the way to the court and, you know, was he was at the jump, right? The circle at the beginning of the game. And yeah, they they were right there. They made him go and get a new jersey. And it was also clear that someone had to have been in on it with him because he found that second jersey that had his name on it quite quickly. (laughs) <laughs> it's very convenient. Yeah. And so and so you have to wonder if if that was almost a statement in and of itself that he knew he knew he wasn't going to be able to get away with it. Yeah, it, it, like it was maybe it was all orchestrated. The refs knew he knew I it might have just been a a whole production. I don't know. That's cynical, but maybe it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about it, so clearly it made an impact. That yeah, any publicity is Good publicity is what some people say. That's what Jimmy Butler would say, that's for sure. (laughs) One of the big themes from these early games has been it looks like the start of a new season. Uh, Lots of turnovers, lots of defensive fouls, which would be a result of guys being rusty, unfamiliar with their teammates, lack of conditioning. It has led to a bit of sloppy play at times, unless you're a Rockets player or a Mavericks player. But we really got to see that in just watching guys foul in transition or just be a step slow on defense. I think where we really might see it is as we go forward in this bubble and teams playing back-to-backs or playing every other day and we just watching people trying to get back into game shape but not having a lot of downtime to recover. So that it could get worse. Yeah. One of the things that I noticed most prominently was in the Celtics and Bucks game. And as a Celtics fan, it was extremely noticeable to me when Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum would drive to the lane, they would kick it out to the three-point line as just about any team is wanting to do right now. And it would fly right by somebody's head because the pass was either... 15 feet off or the player wasn't ready for the pass and so time and time again we saw this consistent just miscommunication not being on the same page and it's something that really stuck out to me let's go ahead and jump into some analysis here obviously I brought up the Celtics and Bucks game uh, this was a game that happened on a Friday night and was one of the premier Friday night games to watch the Celtics and the Bucks played the Bucks won 119 to 112. Kimball Walker had some pretty significant minute restrictions due to uh, trying to take it easy on that knee of his and saving him for the playoffs as much as possible. And another thing to note was that Jason Tatum played like a junior high boy. He was terrible. Couldn't hit a shot to save his life. Uh, in fact, 
two of the only points that he scored in the entire game actually came from a ball that was misrebounded by the Milwaukee Bucks went into the basket and he happened to be the closest Celtic to the hoop and therefore it was awarded the field goal. This was one of the marquee games that I didn't catch as much of as I wish I as I wish I did. First take is Giannis is fine. <laughs> he's he's just he's fine. He it's like he never stopped from all of this all this stuff, but Tatum, if I remember right, I think I heard an announcer say at some point that he missed another shot short. And if if he was missing a lot of shots on the front of the rim, that would go back to the whole conditioning and rest thing and just getting your legs back under you. Yeah, time and time again, his shots were hitting the front of the rim, front of the rim, front of the rim. And if I can, we can go ahead and jump down to the Celtics yeah. second game, which yeah. just finished right before this. Tatum was fine. He got his legs under him. He was firing from everywhere. And he and Jalen Brown looked uber athletic and fine in that game. And Kimba got a little more playing time. If he can play on that knee, that the Celtics are going to be very formidable in the East. Yeah, Tatum had 31 points in the game that just ended just a few minutes before we started recording. We're recording Sunday August 2nd, 5.30. Game just uh, finished up. Tatum had 31 points in this game. Jalen Brown had 30 points, and 16 of those were in the fourth quarter. Jalen Brown looked looked great. Jason Tatum's passing was much sharper. And uh, yeah, the, you know, it was one of those things where it looked like we were back at the beginning of the season. Now, one other thing I took from the Celtics, Gordon Hayward grew a mustache. Yes. And, and it makes him look like Kip from Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> yes. We'll have to get Danae back for that one. Yes. <laughs> let's jump back to, let's look at Clippers versus Lakers. This was kind of pinned as the go-to series to see in the West. Clippers versus Lakers. Uh, Lakers won this game, 103-101. to 101. LeBron James and Anthony Davis combined for 50 points in this one. I didn't get to see much of this game, Bodie. Do you have thoughts on uh, some analysis on this one? So a lot of what we can take from this is that these two teams really, really wanted to beat each other. They played the last one of the last games before the season had to shut down back in March. And every game they've played this year has been like a playoff series, which is what we expect it to be come late whatever month the playoffs are now. The caveat to this game was, one, it was the first game back for everybody, so you can only take so much, but two... The Clippers did not have their two sixth man of the year candidates in Montrez Harrell and then Lou Williams, who is still in a very magical quarantine somewhere. <laughs> He's wing deep in that hotel room right now. Many, many wings. <laughs> Uh, well, let's stick with the Lakers here. The Lakers played just on Saturday night. They played the Toronto Raptors, who both of these teams are looking at their second game with the Lakers and the Raptors uh, matchup. And we had talked the past two episodes of this show, we had talked about how the Raptors do not have a standout star that in order to really make it to the finals, you need a standout star. And I think Kyle Lowry heard our podcast and gave us a big middle finger because he came to play last night. He had 33 points, 
14 rebounds, which is a career high for him, six assists. In the after game, in the post game, I saw a video on Twitter. He was fooling around. Somebody was getting interviewed. I think Pascal Siakam was getting interviewed in the post game, and he came up behind and was doing a little dance and was just on top of the world. And you can tell that he uh, he's excited to to be the new star of this team. I might have said this on an earlier podcast or with friends somewhere off air, but if the Raptors are going to win the finals or get past Milwaukee, it would be a very 2004 Pistons type performance. Yes. Where it's just a bunch of very, very good players who have played together for a while, know what they're doing defensively, and then having different players be that star for that game. And Lowry showed even last year in the finals against Golden State in game six, he was the player until Kawhi got himself going. Yeah, it's been interesting to see Kyle Lowry kind of uh, stepping into that role and and really take in charge when it really matters. Pascal Siakam last year won most improved for the Toronto Raptors. It would have seemed that earlier in the season he was to become the new star for this team and he certainly has been playing well but Kyle Lowry is certainly doing his best to to make this team the uh the juggernaut that it really needs to be to get past those Milwaukee Bucks Bodie when we think about the Milwaukee Bucks the thing that seems to be halting everyone literally eastern and western conferences how do you stop Giannis when we think about the eastern conferences there really anyone who stands a chance to put a halt to Giannis taking over like he did in the fourth quarter against his Celtics team well I would have said Boston had a chance because they have all those wings and maybe over a seven game series they can figure something out um not a lot of encouragement from that first game but the other two teams that could are Toronto because of that system. And they have Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi. And then the Miami Heat, who are playing well and not too far behind Boston for the three seed. I think both teams would rather be the three and not have to face Milwaukee in the second round. But whoever ends up in that four seed, if they make it through the first round, they'll have people to throw at Giannis. Miami has Bam Adebayo, their center, who is very well suited to guard Giannis. Yeah, one team that I I think of a lot is is the Philadelphia 76ers. It's a team that we've mentioned a, a few times in the past. Uh, they played on Saturday night and lost to the Indiana Pacers 127-121. They are really trying to build their lineup to be, in my opinion, a Giannis-stopping team. You have to wonder... Are they? Does Al Horford stand a chance? Does uh, Joel Embiid stand a chance to really put a halt to to what Giannis is is powering through there in the Eastern Conference? You're right. That was an oversight by me, and maybe just because Philly's been kind of disheartening all year. But Embiid, along with Adebayo in Miami, they are probably the two best individual players to guard Giannis, and then Horford. Defended him fairly well in the playoffs in the past. It didn't work for a whole series, but 
that if you can just get 15 minutes a game or so of decent defense from a bench guy that that could be the difference well and you have to wonder too with with philadelphia's depth that they have you know they can throw al horford out there for 15 minutes at a time and and almost do a platoon style defense against him to try and stop that when we look at the west one of the things that i had seen from folks who were inside the bubble reporters and journalists who were watching practices uh, they talked about how one of the concerns for them was Kawhi Leonard. He wasn't shooting very well in the scrimmages. He wasn't shooting very well in his practices. Do we worry about if Kawhi Leonard has an off night? Are they still going to be able to win? It doesn't look like that was the case against the Lakers on Friday night. I would say with the depth that they have, and that's why they got Paul George to to make up for that. But so far with this restart, again, going back to not having Lou Williams, being being rusty, I would say that's less cause for concern now. But if Kawhi is hobbled as we go forward, and he does have a degenerative knee issue that was greatly affecting him deep into the playoffs last year to where he had to basically rest in the middle of games while he was still out there. They couldn't afford to take him out, so he had to find ways to find his rest on the court. It was uh, just affecting him way too much. That's, in, again, in theory, why you have Paul George, but they do need Kawhi to be very effective once they get to the Lakers or the Bucks or the Raptors. Wouldn't that be fun? Hmm. That would be pretty fantastic to see a Clippers-Raptors series. Um, that would be uh, that'd be quite a quite a series to watch. Not a very quote unquote television friendly series, but for deep basketball fans, uh, that's got to be got to be some good karma <laughs> or bad karma, depending on which side of the which side of the table you're sitting on. I think the NBA would be scared that Toronto fans were trying to be bursting that bubble mm. to see those games. <laughs> yeah, um, when we look at games that have happened so far, what what has been something that has stood out to you, whether it be a player, whether it be a specific um, a specific style of play? Has anything really stuck out to you? One thing that I can think of off the top of my head is uh, a lot of people were very intrigued by the fact that Zion Williamson didn't get to play late in the fourth quarter of that Thursday night game when the game was close against the Jazz, and everyone has been deciding that Zion Williamson is a franchise player for those Pelicans. And when the game was close and when the game was on the line, who did they go to? Not Zion. In theory, it makes sense. You don't want to risk your franchise guy to get an eight seed, but in practice they could have changed the minutes around to where he would have been available for the last four minutes of that game instead of playing four random minutes in the third or the early fourth quarter they've been trying to defend their theory but i'm not sure they can defend their practice some things i've noticed are basically everybody is who we thought they were the good teams are good the teams that we thought would be bad are very bad. I mean, the eight seed in the East is not fun. 
uh, the, the Nets are, they beat the Wizards today, but I think you and me could come close to beating the Wizards at this point. <laughs> we could. We could. But that the Bucks are going to have a walkover in that first-round series against what's probably Brooklyn. It could still be Orlando. But we look at the middle of the West and the last playoff spot in the West is where things are really up in the air. You have four teams all bunched together with the Nuggets, Jazz, Thunder, and Rockets. And I don't know, the Thunder are so well coached. And I you could say that's Billy Donovan. You could just say that's Chris Paul. They are well suited for an eight-game stretch like this where everybody's trying to feel their way through, but Chris Paul has it has a team rolling from the beginning. And then at the bottom, trying to get that eight seed, we've seen the Grizzlies drop two games now. The Pelicans drop both their games. The Blazers have gone one and one. And the team now in ninth place in the play-in spot are the San Antonio Spurs, who have one of the best coaches in NBA history in Popovich. It's one of those things where we had said prior that the Spurs, we may not have really anything exciting to watch there. And yet here we sit with, uh, we thought it could be, it could be the Blazers. It could be the Pelicans. Maybe that was just kind of the 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 doe-eyed optimist in us. But you know, Popovich is showing why he's potentially the greatest coach of all time. Is that he knows how to work with what he has, and he's gonna fight to the nail to to make it into that playoff series. Every year we write off the Spurs. Every single year, and then a pandemic happens, and a play-in game is on the table, and the Spurs could make the playoffs. That's right. As we look to the future in between when this episode drops and when our next episode will air, uh, some games that I think that uh, y'all ought to watch for is on Tuesday night, we have the Houston Rockets and the Portland Blazers. Uh, as we just said, the Blazers are 1-1. One and one. The Rockets are playing tonight at 7.30 against the Milwaukee Bucks. Even when we look at the Rockets and Blazers matchup, the Blazers have Nurkic. They have some big guys who are great around the basket and are they going to put PJ Tucker on Nurkic? That would be quite an entertaining matchup, wouldn't it? It would be. And the theory for the Rockets would be what well, we saw this in the game, the Celtics played against the Blazers. When you have really, really skilled perimeter guys it can be hard for the bigs to stay on the court. Daniel Tice was getting blown away by Damian Lillard. And if the Rockets go with their spread offense, which they will, and Harden and Westbrook are making Nurkic play 25 feet from the rim, the Blazers may just have to pull Nurkic, and that's what the Rockets want. They don't think, they don't think your seventh guy is as good as their in theory, seventh guy. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, the way that I was looking at it was how are the Rockets going to compete with the Blazers? And the way that you're saying it is how are the Blazers going to compete with the Rockets? And that's what that's what Houston is, is betting on, right? <laughs> that is what they're betting on, which makes we don't have a lot of stylistic differences in the in the NBA anymore. But this the Rockets have forced a stylistic difference on every single game. Other games to watch for this week include Los Angeles Clippers and the Dallas Mavericks on Thursday night. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Bodie, Lou Williams will be back by this point. Does that sound right? 
I believe that is correct. And so we will see if those wings really brought some magic and he is uh, going to be the player that the Clippers need him to be on the court on Thursday night. And Friday night, we have probably the next great premier series in the Eastern Conference. We have the Boston Celtics playing the Toronto Raptors. I'm interested to see if Boston looks like the team that we saw against Milwaukee or if they look like the team we saw against the Blazers or if they're a totally different team. From what I've heard, Kimball Walker is slowly but surely getting more minutes with every game and he said his knee feels great. So it'll be interesting to see how they match up together. Two games to keep an eye on early in the week. Monday night we have the Grizzlies and the Pelicans, both teams fighting for the last playoff spot in the West and both teams who are currently 0-2 during this restart with Portland and San Antonio trying to take those spots from them. Also interesting with those two teams because we have the top two potential rookie of the years playing for those teams. Definitely. A Ja Morant-Zion game is why this is on ESPN in the first place. And it'll be nice because I am blacked out from seeing Grizzlies games because apparently St. Louis is in the local area for Memphis. So I have not got to see a lot of John Morant this year. Well, I'm excited you'll get to see him Monday night. So am I. The other game is Tuesday night Celtics and Heat. The big reason for this, other than just that's going to be a good game, is seeding, trying to get out of that four spot so you don't have to play Milwaukee in the second round having to play Toronto in the second round is not much of a consolation, but at least you don't have to play Giannis. But I, as we are seeing with when the top teams have played each other so far, even if the quality of play hasn't been very good, the competition, these guys really, really missed competing and they want to win these games bad. And now it's that time of the week where we thank COVID for reminding us of something that we had forgotten we enjoyed so much. This week, it's something that we usually find pretty annoying, and that is players pump faking and then jumping into a defender that has tried to jump over them to block their shot, drawing a foul that annoys everybody in the arena, no matter who you're rooting for. There is no way this kind of play would fly in a pickup game that you played with your friends, along with charges and anything like that. But there's something oddly, not beautiful, but just like, oh yeah, I miss getting annoyed by this and rip through moves. And there's a skill to being annoying. So it's nice to have that back. Now, finally, we're at last possession. One of the questions that has been coming through my mind time and time again when I think about having basketball inside of this bubble for me has been seeing what other teams and what other leagues are trying to do. When we look at the MLB, we have seen COVID cases going from Miami to St. Louis. NHL is doing a few different bubble campuses. But in the NBA, as we all know, they are sitting inside this one circle 
in Walt Disney World in Orlando. And so when I imagine myself being stuck in one place for three months, I think to myself, how in the world am I going to find any sense of normalcy? And so one of the things that has been happening, and The Athletic posted about this, and I'll put a link in basketbubble.com again, but one of the things that they wrote about was inside the bubble, we are seeing the Milwaukee Bucks coach who has been doing this thing that he started in San Antonio called Breaking Bread. And so if you have any familiarity with Christianity and religiosity, you know that one of the main things that brings people together is the idea of breaking bread together, having a meal together, communing together in this really unique and separate way. And so for the Milwaukee Bucks, what they have been doing is finding time to have a meal together as a family as teammates, as colleagues, as brothers. And it's really heartening to me to see that in the midst of all of this chaos, in the midst of whatever the hell is happening on the news day in and day out, that these teammates are finding an opportunity to break bread together. In the Athletic article, it talks about how Giannis would occasionally find ways to take this opportunity when they were still traveling to find ways to enter in his cuisine as a Greek man. Kyle Korver has a habit of making meals important in the way that he knows how by drinking fancy wine. All of these players are finding ways to implement their own expertise or their own opportunities to make this meal important. But at the end of the day, it's really comforting to me to know that the way that these players are finding normalcy, finding comfort, is in the same way that I do, by sitting down at a table with the people that I'm closest to and the people that I love the most and breaking bread and having a meal. Basket Bubble is hosted by Matthew Moore. That's me and Bodie. That is him. Thank you, Bodie. And uh, best of luck to the rest of your week as you sit around and watch basketball from the comfort of your home. Thank you. And you the same as you watch from a beach somewhere where you shouldn't be. (laughs) Our theme song is by Bad Snacks. Join us next week as we talk more seating games and whatever other drama comes forward in the next few days. Stay safe out there, Bubbletonians. We'll see you next week.